Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Well, good evening and welcome. So glad to have you guys with us tonight. I am excited because I get to carry on talking about the Holy Spirit tonight. For those that are new, uh, just tuning in, I'm Pastor Daniel. Um, And if you have been around Res but haven't been around on Sunday nights, uh, I started talking about the Holy Spirit because Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. In fact, he gave the world's most important mission and then said, wait, don't take on the world's most important mission until you have the Holy Spirit. He said, wait in Jerusalem until you are filled with the Holy Spirit and power. And, and I, I just go, well, if Jesus placed this much importance on it, shouldn't we? And so we started looking into this and we took a little bit of a break because we had kids camp. And while there, God just gave me a really specific word that we gave last week. But we get to dive back into it. And I will bring you along if you're like, I haven't heard any of those other messages. That's okay. We will not leave you behind, and you can catch them on YouTube later. But um, in in short, you want to know that the Holy Spirit um, is the third part of the Trinity. It is the promise that Jesus said would come when he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit brings gifts. Um, there's a bunch of things that he brings. Jesus said that he would give, bring power, boldness, help, teach, remind, guide. And then in 1 Corinthians, there's nine different gifts that are listed. And we're going to look at some of those. But when I talk about this, there's a ton of people who look and go, you know what? I have survived a lot of years without the Holy Spirit. Or they're like, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at kids camp. Back in 1965. And they're like, haven't done anything with them, at least not that I'm aware of yet. And, and so, well, I say, well, why then do you care? Why then do you want to know more about the Holy Spirit? And I think that there's a fundamental misunderstanding that causes a lot of us to not engage with the Holy Spirit. And I, the, let me paint a simple picture that I think may help. So let's just say I'm at home with my kids and then I just say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off. Mom's going to be home in an hour. And I tell my older boys, I'm like, I want you guys to stay home and I want you to pick up. I want you to vacuum. I want you to clean the house before mom gets home. Right? Uh, there's already parents laughing. No, so I, so I got some responsible children. I'm like, all right, so here is your mission. Your mission is to bless your mom. You are going to bless your mom by picking up and by vacuuming. This will be a blessing. And so I leave, and mom comes home, and they picked up, but they didn't vacuum. Well, why didn't you vacuum? I don't really like the sound of it. 
So if I come home and find out they didn't do it because they like, didn't like the sound of it, I'm going to be frustrated. Especially if I discover that instead of doing what they were told to do and commissioned to do to bless my wife, they decided to go play Legos or play on a tablet or, or watch TV. And you're like, no, that was not, that was not what you were, you were not commissioned to go entertain yourself. I commissioned you to do this to bless my wife. And they may look and go, but I am more blessed by Legos than by vacuuming. And I would respond, that's okay. It wasn't about you. This was something I commissioned you to do for her. In this simple illustration, all of you guys get the picture that what they were commissioned to do wasn't even about them. And when they sidelined what they were commissioned to do because of its inconvenience for them, then I am frustrated. Then she misses out. But how much more when Jesus says, I've commissioned you to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And he says, wait, hold up. In order to accomplish this mission, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And some people go, yeah, but I don't like the way that sounds. What if people look at me funny? I heard that somebody else didn't believe in that, so should I believe in that? Besides, I've lived a long time and it didn't hurt me. My kids will sit there, like, the floor, it's messy, but I don't mind. Like, I didn't ask if you mind. I told you to do it. And it wasn't even about you, it was for her. And so often we go, yeah, but I don't need it. Yeah, but what about the person that God wanted to speak through you to who's been debating whether they want to see tomorrow? And he wanted you to speak a word of encouragement that he was going to give you a word of knowledge. You're going, I don't know if I want to get plugged into that. It might be inconvenient. Or, or, or like that person who got told that they won't see another birthday. And God goes, I need someone to walk over there and to pray for them, and I want a gift of healing to be at work. We're going, but I don't know if I want to be plugged in for that. And when we think it's all about us, we ask all of the wrong questions. Because if it's all about me, it's, well, what do I want to do? Is it convenient? In fact, if it's all about you and you go for it, you're probably going to go for it for the wrong reasons. Because you're going to go, I'm going for this because I'm awesome. Let's be real. If I pray for them and they get healed, they're going to think I'm awesome. And if it's all about me, that's going to be my stance. But if I look and go, it's all about him, and he said he loves you and doesn't want to see you broken. See, the gifts are meant to operate out of love. And when we do, then it becomes something powerful because it's no longer, well, is it convenient for me? Is this what I wanted to do right now? It's going well, God, this is what you told me to do. This is what you empowered me to do because you love them. And if you love them and you've commissioned me to be your hands and the feet, then I need to be equipped and ready so that I can be part of what you're doing. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus says, 
And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And then verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Wait, I will equip you. Wait, I will empower you to do all that I'm calling you to do. And sometimes we look at things and go, it's too much. He goes, you are right. But I didn't leave you on your own. You don't have to do this on your own. Because if I go tell you, you have to heal them, good luck. But he goes, you, you pray for them. This is partnership between God and us. And he always gives us the really easy part. Lay your hands. My five-year-old's got that covered. No, but for real. Sometimes we're like, it's, it's really complicated. No, it's not. Ask my five-year-old. They're like, hey, I got a, I got a boo-boo. Really? Where? Like, hands up, ready. Like, she's going to lay hands on you and pray for you. Because it's not this complicated thing, but when we make it about us, it becomes it. But when we go, all right, God, I'm going to trust in you, and I want to be full of your spirit, empowered to do your will, we can see God do through us what we never even dreamed possible. And it's this amazing thing, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, is this fundamental, all right, 4 to 11, kind of breaks out the gifts of the spirit as they're referred to. And it goes through and says, um, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. It lifts the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, uh, gifts of faith, working of miracles, gifts of healing, prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. But in this list, in verse 7, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He goes, I'm giving these to you, not so that you can have everything that you need, but so that you can be a part of of bringing everything that they need. He goes, I'm equipping you. And there's all, if you look through the New Testament, there's a ton of these verses that talk about one another. And he goes, don't just look at you. He goes, if we are the body and we one another and we, all, we have these gifts at work, we will cover each other. We will be healthy because we are praying for each other. We will be encouraged because we are encouraging one another. We will be built up. We will see words of wisdom, knowledge, and, dis and discernment at work because we get to see the Holy Spirit at work. And it, it's this powerful thing when we begin to do this together, when we begin to partner with the Holy Spirit to see His will accomplished. And so in, in verse 31... He goes through and says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Which one's the best? The one you need. Same with your tools. Like, Which tool's the best? Screwdriver or hammer? Depends. What do you got in front of you? You know, if, if you are depressed and discouraged or you are lost and looking for direction, you are wanting a word of wisdom. You are wanting a word of knowledge and God to speak to you right where you're at. But if if you just got a report that you're not going to have another birthday, you're going, somebody with a working of miracles or a gift of healing right here. Depends what your need is. But he wants to be there 
for our need. And then he, in 1 Peter, it says, as each has received the gift, use it to serve one another. So we get this idea that there are these different gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to pour out through us, not just for us, but to use us to be his hands and his feet. The, the three that we have left to look at today is, the, is faith, miracles, and healing, which are like the coolest ones, in my opinion. Uh, the other ones are really important, but if you were to like measure them on a cool scale, if I measure them on a cool scale, these are my favorite. I'm like, who doesn't want to see like faith, miracles, and healing? And there is a lot of people who read about faith, miracles, and healing in the Bible, and they go, that's amazing. Too bad it still doesn't happen. And I got news for you. It does. And there's a bunch of people who are like, are you sure? I turned on the news and I didn't hear about it. And, and they don't seem to cover it, but it is happening. And I'm going to share some fun stuff with you guys in just a couple of minutes, some stories. But I want to start with faith because faith is the bridge that God's blessings drive across. See, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. There is a simple faith and there is a gift of faith. The gift of faith, you won't see it without simple faith, but simple faith isn't necessarily the gift of faith. This is, so you have to start with what is, what is faith? So faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let me give you the Daniel version. Faith is the belief in a promise that allows you to act before you receive it. We do this all of the time. And a lot of times when people talk about faith, they're like, oh, that's a religious thing. You operate in faith all of the time. Who's ordered anything offline? That was an act of faith. Because I bet they made you pay before you got anything. Right? So they made a promise that they were going to deliver something, so you responded and acted like the promise was true. And if you didn't act like the promise was true, you would never receive anything. But you had to step out in faith based on their promise. And you might have even checked the promiser to decide if you think that promiser is trustworthy. If you're on Amazon, you're like checking their like reviews and you're checking how many stars did this get. I'm going to check this promise before I go and step out in faith. If, if, if I'm going to make an order on eBay, I'm going to check it going, hey, do, what kind of reviews does this user have? Do I want to put any faith in their promise? Because my faith is my belief in the promise that allows me to act now so that I can receive it. Hopefully, most of you guys, or a lot of you guys, have a job. You have a way of getting income. Most of them, they make you work before you get paid. If you're like, pay me! Your boss will tell you, work. No, I don't believe you. He'll say, go find another job. I'm going to find someone who's working. When they're done with the work, I'll pay them for the work. If they don't do the work, then they don't get paid. But it's this trust in the promise that allows us to act. And if we look at it in the simple stuff here that we do all the time, then when we look at it biblically, it becomes so much simpler. 
a lot of people get like spooked out because they think that faith is this weird, strange, mystical thing. And you're like, no, it's taking God at his word on his promise and stepping out in obedience based on the promise. And when I do that, it connects me to him as my source. See, in Hebrews, he tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you don't believe that God is, you will not go to him. Is that pretty simple? If you don't believe that he's got any good things for you, you're not going to look for them. And did you know that you can be standing right next to the answer and miss out? There is a crazy story in the Bible. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus is on a mission. There is somebody whose child is dying, and they have come to get Jesus. They gathered Jesus, and when Jesus started to come, so did everybody else. They're all like, we want to see. Like, you can't take, take, like, we've followed him, and it's not like today when you're like, oh, that's all right, I'll catch it on the 5 o'clock news. It's like, if you want to see it, you better be there. And people have been talking about Jesus, so the word has gotten out, and there is a crowd. There is a large crowd. And a lot of the crowd has needs. And that's part of why they would come to him is because they've heard about what he's done. They've heard that there's hope. Because today, if you get sick, most people are like, oh, I got sick. Let's call the doctor. Some of you guys are like, I already know what to take for this. Or it's like, some people call the doctor. Some people are like, Dr. Google, what is this? My symptoms are this. And it's like, see a doctor. You're like, no, come on. But I... We have these options. Most of them didn't have much for options. And yeah, my, my professor in college, he went through, one of my professors, they, they found this like, burial mound and they looked through the bones and figured out how people died and realized that people were dying really young from stupid things. Like there was one of them that they found that died and it appeared it had to do with a toothache. They, I don't know how they put all those pieces together, but they decided that they had a tooth with an issue that somebody put like a wooden chisel thing, maul to it, to try to knock out that tooth and broke the jaw. When they tried to knock out the tooth, which then had gotten infected, and they saw the progression. I'm like, but when you think about something so simple being a life or death matter, when you then have Jesus who's walking around and healing the blind, raising the dead, people that are like shriveled up are, are, are being stretched out and are, are being healed, there's a hope and there is a hunger that we don't tend to understand because we have options. So there is a very hungry crowd that is surrounding him. But in this crowd that's surrounding him, there's somebody who's different. Because they went from just like, what's going on? To he is the answer. And, and she'd had an issue of blood. She'd gone to doctors. They did everything that they could. And all they did was make her poor. And she saw that he was her only hope. She snuck to the crowd and she said, if I only touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And, and there are some promises in the Old Testament about healing in God's wings and this being a, 
a recognition of who he is and of a declaration in this promise that she laid on to. But she sneaks through the crowd and she lays hold of his garment. And this is what's crazy. Jesus goes, who touched me? And she's, she's like instantly healed. He's saying, who touched me? His disciples are like, uh, he did, she did, he did, she did, the little boy did, he did, she did. Everybody did. They're trying to touch you. Everyone wants to be close. And when everyone's trying to get close, once you're in the front, everyone else smashes you in. But he goes, no, no. I felt power go out of me. How come people have been touching you this whole time, but only now did you feel power go out of you? Her faith tapped in to what God had made available. There was a whole crowd that was bumping into what they needed, getting nothing. There are a lot of Christians bumping in to what they need, but not receiving it. He goes, I've got a promise. Will you lay hold of it in faith? And they're like, I heard there might be something here. But, but she goes, no, there is. And I'm going to reach out. And when she did, she received something. And it's this, this powerful thing that, that faith connects me to the source. Just as though I have to pay to, to receive my order on Amazon, I need to reach out in faith to receive what God has already paid for, for me. And we go, well, how do, I, how do I get basic faith? Basic faith comes by hearing. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You cannot have faith. You cannot believe in a promise if you don't have a promise, right? And so there's this very simple thing where a lot of times people hope for all sorts of fun things, but faith comes when I have a, a promise. And, and he goes, Faith comes by this. And he goes on in Romans 10. He says, How shall they believe in whom they have not heard? How can they believe a promise if they haven't heard it? So we want to get into his word to lay hold of his promises. Well, what then, if this is regular faith, where is this gift of faith that comes out of the Holy Spirit? Um, it is, what's the right way to say this? It's the turbocharger. Uh, I don't know how many people are, are car people in here. Do we have any car people who just love motors? Anyone? There's like a few of you. Okay, I will explain this because I had to look it up myself. So I was looking at things on this. And a turbocharger is awesome. And for those who don't know what they are, they make your engine more powerful. This is a good thing. So, I'm like, how does this make my engine more powerful? And there's, you get into the, the, the science behind it, and they're like, it's going to push more air into your engine as it does this stuff so that it mixes differently and gives you extra horsepower. Um, and they can go through the different numbers on how much boost it gives. But a turbocharger actually runs off of your, like, exhaust, off of your, the, in, the engine's emissions, spin it, and fire it up. So you know what happens if you do nothing? Nothing. 
And sometimes they'll call it like turbo lag, that when you start something, it takes a second. And then as you start, it fires it up and then it gives you boost, giving you additional power. The Holy Spirit, this gift of faith, does, is never where you start. There's a lot of Christians just sitting there going, gift of faith, fall on me. I am waiting. And someday, it's going to happen. I'm going to have this awesome faith. But um, I, I love the way that Smith Wigglesworth said it. He said, if you take a step of ordinary faith, when you come to the end of that faith, very often this supernatural gift of special faith will take over. One reason more folks don't see the manifestation of special faith operating in their lives today is that they don't first use the faith they already have. He's like, you've got to use what you've got, and then this is when the Holy Spirit steps in and supercharges it. And it takes it far beyond what you could have on your own. It is this multiplier. It's when your obedience, faith is the multiplier times God's power, which equals supernatural results. And, and it's this, this powerful thing. And you go, so where is faith? Where is miracles? Where is healing? Don't they all intermix? Simply spoken, yes. They intermix. They have divided some of them up, but they work in hand in hand so much that it can be hard to distinguish which is the gift of faith, which is the working of miracles, and which is healing, and which was all three. Because if, and I was reading actually, if you want to dive into the Holy Spirit and his gifts and like really go deep, I've only got so much time. This is a phenomenal book. It's The Holy Spirit and His Gifts by Kenneth Hagin. I highly recommend it. Um, but he was pointing out in this book that if you raise the dead, that they, um, that's going to take a working of miracles to see that happen. It's going to take a bunch of faith. And then if they died, there's probably a reason that they died that has to be healed or they'll be dead again. You're probably going to need all three of these rocking all at the same time in order for this person to come back to life and stay back to life. But he stated and kind of divided them up that faith is that which receives a miracle, while the gift of miracles is that which performs a miracle. And there are times when you can be surrounded by the ugliest scariest storm and the gift of faith goes, nope, nope, I've got a promise. It doesn't matter what's happening out there because I know what's happening in here. I know who's going to see me through it and the storm loses its power over us. And that can, that can look a lot of different ways. For Jesus, some of it literally looked like being in a storm, like sleeping when everyone else is freaking out. Like he's in the boat asleep and the disciples who are fishermen who've grown up on this sea were freaking out and thought they were going to die. And they're shaking. I'm like, we're going to die. And he gets up and he goes, why are you so afraid? Peace. Be still. It always like struck me like why? Like, yes, calm it. But why were you surprised that they were afraid? 
He, he expected something different. There was supposed to be a peace that would hold them over. I remember a lot of years ago, uh, I was getting ready for a mission trip, and it was expensive. We were going to fly to India, and the price of plane tickets was not what it is now, but it was a lot, at least for me, as a teenager. So we're raising money to go on this mission trip, and there was somebody uh, that, that we met, and we said, hey, would you like to support us? And they said, hmm, would you like to pull my weeds? I'm like, if you'll support me, I'll pull weeds. We can work this out. And they said, all right. And they had, they had the most landscaping of any home that I have ever encountered. <laughs> we didn't finish, but we filled 10, like, extra-large garbage bags full of weeds. And we made it through the front yard. But they, they were happy with the amount that we had achieved. But during this weeding endeavor, there was some poison ivy in there. And it had hit me and got, got a few spots. But there was a, a spot where you could see like where the vine or whatever had actually touched me that left a line across my bicep. There was a couple specks out and around, but that line was thick and it got like several bumps high. If you're not familiar with poison ivy, it's gross. But, and itchy. So anyhow, I've got this all over my arm. And I am getting ready for this mission trip. And we are praying and we are we are having these different prayer meetings and we are getting excited and I'm all like, God, use me and I, I want to see your, your power at work and God spoke to me. He's like, my power is in my word. I really wanted like, everyone you pray for is getting healed, but he's like, no, my power is in my word. So I'm like diving into God's promises and then I've, I've got this poison ivy and I'm all like praying and I just felt like God said, have her pray for you. A girl across the like, the circle on the team, he's like, have her pray for you and you're going to be healed. It laid hold of me so confidently. And so we finished our prayer meeting and before she left, I caught her and said, hey, I felt like you're supposed to pray for me. My poison ivy is going to be gone. And I believed it was going to fall off, which was really stupid. Like that's not how poison ivy goes away. It's not how you want poison ivy to go away. But that's what I believed. And she prayed for me. You know what happened? Nothing that you could see. But there was a faith. I was like, oh, I'm healed. And I think it was like the day before we left or two days before we left. I went home, went to sleep, got up in the morning, looked at my arm. It was gone. Not like normal gone. Like fell off, gone, like left a hole in my arm where it was. Not like a hole clean through kind of thing, but like it looked like someone had cut it out. Like you just saw like that layer of skin. It looked like just kind of a raw wound where it had been. There was no bumps. It was now a slight indentation and all that was there was gone. And I was like, that's awesome. That looks creepy. <laughs> I'm getting ready to go on an international flight. I'm like, I'm going to have to wear longer sleeves so that I don't look like I'm bringing in some weird thing, but I'm like covering it up. I'm like, don't question me because no one's going to believe you. What happened? Oh, I had this rash and I prayed and it just fell off my arm. But it was this confidence that even when I didn't see anything, it didn't matter. Smith Wigglesworth was talking about it and he, he talked about Mr. Mitchell 
who was his friend, who he prayed for. He was, he was with him. And the next day he comes back to find that his wife was screaming that he's gone. He said he went in kind of confused, but the man was dead. And he said, I came in. Um, he said his wife freaked out. He was like, don't, don't, don't you see he's dead? He goes, but I continued praying and I got as far as I could with my own faith, but then God laid a hold of me. Oh, it was such a laying of hold that I could believe for anything. The faith of the Lord Jesus laid hold of me and a solid peace came into my heart. I shouted, he lives, he lives, he lives. And he's living today. Um, just this amazing thing where there can be a peace and a confidence in God's promise even in the midst of the storm. But you have this, this working of miracles where, where God moves and miracles happen. And there's this active side of it of I'm going to step out in this faith and I'm going to see God do something incredible. John chapter 6 records the story of the feeding of the 5,000. If you've never heard it, Jesus is there with a large crowd, about 5,000 guys plus women and children. And they're all hungry. He tells the disciples, hey, you should feed them. And they're like, how? Where are we going to find it? That's a lot of money. He goes, what do you have? There's a kid who brought a lunch. Five loaves and two fish. But what's that among so many? And he goes, have everybody sit down in groups. And I... I don't know if you ever like picture yourself in the Bible stories. When I read, I often picture myself in the story. And there's a lot of different spots in this story that you could put yourself. But could you imagine being one of the disciples when you're following the rabbi, this teacher, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to feed 5,000 people with one kid's lunch. We got fish sticks and breadsticks, and we're going to do this. Like, Sit them all down in groups of 50. You're like, what are you going to do with it? He's like, that's all good. Bring it to me. I'm going to thank God for it. This is your plan. He thanks God, blesses it, and then says, go pass it out. And when they get done, everybody's full, and they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Do you realize that little boy didn't start with 12 baskets? If you spread out all of his loaves and fishes into individual baskets, he didn't have 12 baskets? And it blows me away that as God steps out, in this, this working of miracles. And there are so many amazing encounters of God, of Jesus acting and working in miracles, speaking to the waves, walking on the water. Uh, there's so many of these. Yes, I... I remember when I was in college, I had an understanding faith class. And as he was teaching some of this, it started to fill me. And when it did, my professor was sharing a story on, on our role and how often we're pr praying to God to do what God commissioned us to do. And I was like, that's awesome. And I'm taking notes and it's like starting to fill me. Well, then we go to the, and I, some of you guys have heard this story, but it, it's worth it. Some of them haven't. So you're going to get it again. So we go to the beach. My roommates and I, minus one, who was feeling grumpy. And we asked if he could borrow his Frisbee. He's like, yeah, just make sure you take it back. Like, 
yes, we're going to take your Frisbee and go leave it at the beach. It's like, like, no, of course not. So anyways, we're like, all right, grumpy. And uh, we take his Frisbee and we go to the beach and we're playing and we throw the Frisbee. I say we, I threw the Frisbee and it went right between two of my roommates and landed right at the edge of the ocean and in came a wave and out went the Frisbee. And it wasn't even like normally you don't want to lose their, their Frisbee, but he was weird about it that day. So you really don't want to lose the Frisbee. We're like, no. But the first thing you do is try to find the Frisbee. The second thing you do, you have a bunch of Bible college students who lost something. They're going to pray. And we prayed and asked God to, to help us find the Frisbee. Then we asked God, prayed again, and asked God to bring us the Frisbee. And then we prayed in faith and thank God that he brought back our Frisbee. And then we're looking and it was like all this teaching that I had just heard came back to me and something laid hold of me. And I was like, wait a second. God gave us dominion, Genesis chapter one, over the earth. Ocean, spit back my Frisbee in Jesus' name. In comes a wave, and it left the Frisbee. And we ran and got it quick before another wave came in. <laughs> but it was this thing where we begin to recognize that, wait a second, God's got something. God wants to move. And there's, there are these gifts that begin to fill us, and they operate, but not until after we step out. And so many people want to see the results of stepping out, but they want to do it without stepping out. In order to see the gifts at work, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then you need to be willing to obey and to step out. And when it goes in this gifts of healing, this is important, and this, hangs, this gets a lot of people hung up. Because they'll go, well, I don't think I have the gift of healing, so I'm not going to pray for anybody. There is the gift of healing that comes into motion, but there is also praying for people with the authority and just faith as a believer. And you will see people healed, and I, I love the way that, uh, I think it was Clint who said, he goes, you will see people healed without the gift of healing, but you won't see someone with the gift of healing without the Holy Spirit. And, and we can step out in obedience and, and pray and see God move. But when God moves in a gift of healing, you see some incredible things come to, to pass. I've got lots of verses, but I want to share a couple of stories. Uh, a lot of times, so often we hear this and we go, oh, I so wish that was still happening and you don't hear enough about it. So I'm going to share a couple of things that happened. Uh, a little while ago, a month, two months, within a few months ago, time goes really fast. It's hard to date things. I got a prayer request from our contacts in Afghanistan. There was a baby and the baby was born with some issues, but the parents were Christians. And they couldn't go to the doctors because they were Christians. If they went, they would have been killed. And so that wasn't an option. 
So when the baby was born and was not doing well, we all got a text message saying, can you be praying for the baby? Because the hospital isn't an option for us, but this baby is not doing well. Can you put up that first picture? Uh, So baby was not doing well, had not uh, opened her eyes since birth, and was non-responsive. And we're all praying, and then we get another text message saying, the baby just passed. And there's, there was a lot of people in this prayer group. And I got to say, I don't think that I was the most faith-filled at that moment when I got that text. But the, the whole group didn't, didn't let go when they got a text message saying the baby passed. Two hours later, we got another text message the baby has been brought back to life. Can you put up the next picture? And this this was within a couple of months. And I got thinking and going, this is so cool, this is so crazy. And so often people are like, yeah, God still heals headaches. Colds but not the big stuff. And I thought about it, and I realized, not counting this baby, I don't know who gets the credit from that one, I know at least four different people who've raised the dead. I'm looking around the room, see how many of them are in the room. There's at least, I think, two of them in the building tonight, if not three, that have have raised the dead. And I, I begin to look I went through, so if if you're not familiar with it, uh, Monday to Friday at 7 a.m., we do a few minutes of encouragement, confession, and prayer called 7 at 7. Mondays are our live prayers. We take prayer requests and and we pray over things together. And then when things aren't live, we still go back and we uh, pray over all the different prayer requests. Well, I've been taking, when people go back and share, hey, I asked for prayer and here's what happened. I went and throw that into a document. It's a large document. Tonight, I went through and I go, I wonder how many times cancer comes up on this list of praise reports. And I pulled up 15 different, I just typed in control F. How many times does cancer come up? 15 times. It went through. Going, oh, there's a bunch of them that says that the biopsy came back, no cancer. Test came back, no cancer. Tumor was not cancer. Cancer is shrinking. They couldn't find her dad's cancer anymore. And four people who said cancer is gone. God is still moving. But you will never run if you don't walk. So often, we don't want to walk, but we want the results of running. If you want to see God move, if you want to see somebody healed, you know what's going to have to happen? You're going to have to pray. No, but for real. This is where most of us hang up, and this is why most of our prayers aren't answered, because we didn't pray them. In a minute, we're going to do a couple of things. When I end, I'm going to give an opportunity for anyone who goes, I need the, I need the Holy Spirit, I need this equipping, this Holy Spirit empowerment, so that I can see God's will done in and through me. 
I want to give you an opportunity to come forward and I'll pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we can go over some of his promises. If you've already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I have a challenge for you. I will not force you, but I have a challenge. This is going to be the easiest place to pray for somebody. The person sitting beside you, down the aisle from you, they heard me challenge you. I took away all of the awkward, or at least most of the awkward. I'm going to challenge you to find somebody and go, how can I pray for you? And when they answer, the challenge is for you not to go, great, I'll go pray for you someday. And then you get home and you're like, who was I supposed to pray for? What was I supposed to pray for? Here's the trick. When someone says, will you pray for me? Do it. Like right then and there. And it's freaked some people out. They're like, well, maybe it's because I asked them. I'm like, hey, can I pray for you? They're like, oh yeah, sure. I'm like, all right, can I lay my hands on you while I pray? Like right now? Yeah. And then I pray for them and they're like, you just did that in the store. I'm like, yeah, how you feeling? They're like, better. Or they just look and they go, you cared enough to pray for me right here, right now in front of everybody? I'm like, yeah. They're like, whoa. And it's, it's amazing the impact that it can have. But I'm going to challenge you to go, all right, God, here am I, use me. And if they go, I don't know how you can pray for me, or they're sitting there and they go, I don't want to tell you how you can pray for me, then you can, you can pray and just go, hey, can I pray a blessing over you? Or you can go, hey, God, do you have a word for them? And you can ask and hear, see if God gives you something for them. And if he doesn't, that's okay. You will never hit the ball if you don't swing the bat. And so I want to create a nice, easy spot for you to take a swing. But before we do either of those, if you don't know my Jesus, you may hear this and you're like, dude, you guys actually believe this? You guys are seeing cool stuff happen because God is real, God's alive, and God's at work. I need to know that God. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So before we dive into those other two, can I get everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes? If you're here, you say, today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Now I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, get ready. That Jesus that loves you, who wants a relationship with you. Two, three. So that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Raise him up. Awesome. Who else is that's me? If you're online, you can just type in that's me. Who else is that's me? All right. The Bible says whoever calls on his name will be saved. So that's what we're going to do. So go ahead and just repeat after me. Say, God, thank you for loving me even when I make mistakes. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again, that your blood paid for me. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.